You are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. Now, the message from our lead pastor, Caleb York. What kind of year was 2019 for you? If you have your service guides, go on and pop those open, get a pen ready. If you're new to our services here, we're one of those weird churches that loves to take notes because we actually want you to change. Isn't that crazy? Come to church and change. That's one of those unbelievable things. We actually want you to change. So grab your service guide, pull that out because we're going to evaluate our lives. And I want to give you three different categories, three different categories. And I don't want you to write anything down yet. But get it out, get it ready. I'm going to give you three categories, and don't write those three down yet. Wait, and I'll tell you when to write something down. But I want to go over these and really evaluate your life. What was your life like spiritually for the year 2019? And the first category that I want to give you this morning is this, spiritually apathetic. Don't write it down, just wait. But spiritually apathetic. If you're here in this room today and you're not a Christian, This is where you're at. This is you. You are spiritually apathetic. If you are here today and you are a Christian and you went through this last year and some point down the year, through the year, you got sidetracked. Something happened and it took your focus off of God. It took your eyes off of him. Maybe it was a financial issue. Maybe it was relationship trouble. Maybe it was a job, uh, job situation where things changed or you lost your jobs in some kind of situation. You became spiritually apathetic this past year. Maybe that was you. The second category I have for you is this, spiritually inconsistent. Spiritually inconsistent. Last year, you know, we talked about this. We evaluated. And maybe for you, man, you were on fire for God at the beginning of 2019. You were excited. You actually began to go talk to people that you knew about Jesus. And you began to get into your word and begin to dive into it. But then it became more inconsistent over time. And you slowly just began to fade back to the way things were. You would occasionally open your Bible and read it. You would occasionally think about telling someone else about Jesus. But really, towards the end of it, you were back the way you were before. You were spiritually inconsistent, and God's word was not a priority in your life. And then the third category I have for you is this, spiritually consumed. Spiritually consumed. God's word was a priority for you. You were focused on his truth. You were consumed with the things of God. You had an active prayer life. Man, you had a strong day-to-day relationship with God. You were plugged into church. You were beginning to serve. You got plugged into community group and began to build relationships. You were spiritually consumed. And your purpose for your life was aligned with God's. These three categories that we have right here, spiritually apathetic, spiritually inconsistent, and spiritually consumed. If you were to look at your life this last year for 2019, what would you define your life as? At this time, as you're thinking about that, write it down. Where would you put yourself? Would you be spiritually apathetic? Would you be spiritually inconsistent? Or would you say, I was spiritually consumed by God, do that right now. I see a lot of people looking up. Do that. 
We're not going to take them up, I promise you. We're not going to collect them. You won't be graded. You won't be kicked out of the church because of the answer that you give. We're not going to do that. But can I ask you to do this this morning? Be honest. Where would you fall in that categories? How would you define your life in 2019 spiritually? Can I tell you this? We have a spiritual enemy that's trying to keep us distracted. He is trying to keep us off balance. He's trying to keep us focused on everything else except for being all in for God. Except for being, putting everything in to God this next year and putting him first in your life. I truly believe that I could walk around this room and ask every single person, hey, do you want to be all in for God in 2020? And they would say yes. And I would come over here and say, do you want to be all in for God 2020? Yes. I could go to every single person, and I think every single one of us would say yes. But we have a spiritual enemy that wants to distract you. He wants, to take you, wants you to take your eyes off of God. Things are going to happen in your life this next year that are going to try to throw you off balance. Can I say this morning, if you want 2020 to be different from 2019, if you want this year to be different from last year, it's time to do some new things. It's time to do some things that maybe you've never done before. And it might be a little bit scary. It might be a little, more, a little bit uncomfortable. But if you want things to change, you got to do some different things. And so this morning, that's what I want to focus on. And look at some new direction from Jesus. Man, if you want this next year to be different, let's see what Jesus has to say about the direction of your life for 2020. And then we're going to redefine a couple things. So if you have your Bibles, go and open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be at this morning. If you have your Bibles or device, look up Matthew chapter 6 verse 31 is where we're going to begin reading. Matthew 6 31 says this, this is Jesus speaking right here. It says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Jesus is saying right here, your life is not supposed to be consumed with what kind of clothes am I going to get? What food am I going to have? What kind of house am I going to live in? It shouldn't be consumed with these things. He says, you know what, people who don't even know me, people who don't know God, that's what they focus on. That's all they focus on. Have you ever met anybody in your workplace like that? Where it seems like that's all they focus on? They work those extra hours. They put in as many hours and make as much money as they can because what are they focused on? That next pair of clothing they need to get. They're focused on that nicer food. They've got to have that nicer food. Home cooked is just not good enough. They've got to have that new car. They've got to have that bigger house. They've got to live in that nicer neighborhood. And that's their whole purpose in life. That's the only reason they come to work. That's the only reason that they even have the job that they have is because it's all about things. Jesus says we're not supposed to be consumed with those things. That's not our focus. And then you see those people, they get a promotion. And they go, man, now I'm going to make more money so I can get even nicer stuff. That's all their focus is. They're consumed with it. Jesus says, don't be consumed with things like that. Don't be consumed with them. Because what does he say in the rest of that verse? He says, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
And Jesus is like, you know what? God's got this covered. Don't make this what your life is consumed about. Don't make, this, don't make this what you're focused on and everything that you're going for because guess what? God is gonna take care of that. God's gonna put those things in place. That is not your priority. That is not your focus. That is not what defines your life. Your life is more than that. It's more than these things and that kind of focus. And he says in verse 32, or verse 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He says, don't focus on all those things. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first God in your life. He's gonna take care of the rest. That's what, our, that's what we should be consumed with. God's kingdom. That's where our focus should be. That should be the driving force behind everything that we do. And I don't know if this has hit you yet through these verses, but we have a good father. The Bible says he is a perfect father and he will take care of us. Can I tell you, as we've taken this crazy step of planting a church in a town that I had never seen before and meeting people that I have never met before, God has continued to provide. My kids, look, they still have clothes on. God's provided. You think I run around every day going, man, what are my kids going to wear? I don't do that. My wife does that. No, I'm just kidding. God provides because we're focused on the things that he tells us to focus on. We're focused on his kingdom. Man, we have a good father. He's a perfect father. Can I tell you, I got five kids and I will do anything to help my kids out because I want them to have a good life. I know we got other parents in here. You, I've seen you guys take steps to improve your kids' lives. You want them to have a good life. I give my kids good advice because I want them to follow God and do what's right as they get older. Can I tell you, yesterday morning, we had, his, uh, we had some cousins come over, and they were up at 6 a.m. And guess who got to take care of the kids at 6 a.m. while the other adults slept? Me, because I went to bed early. And I spent an hour looking for a video game that I still didn't find because I wanted the kids to have a good time. They were having fellowship with their cousins. They were, doing, they were just having fun and enjoying the morning. And I spent an hour, why? Because I love my kids and I want the best for them and I want good stuff for them. But you know what? I'm a sinful father. Doesn't it just show you how much greater our father in heaven is? He is a good and perfect father. And when he says to do some things first, can I tell you this? He's not just doing it to make you jump through hoops. He's not up in heaven going, oh, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> He's not doing that. He wants best for you. And he has some things this morning that I want to look at that he wants us to do first because he wants good things for our lives. He tells us, he calls us to do things for a reason he calls us to seek some things. And so today, I want to go back to some basics because so many times as we get through the year, we forget these basics. We leave them out. We get so focused on the complicated and our situations and what we're going through that we forget four areas that God wants us to put first. Four areas that he wants us to start our year out right if we're going to want this year to be different from last year. And so the first thing I want you to write down is this. Number one, first of the day, Seek God. 
I know, pretty basic. First of the day, seek God. Now, when I say this right here, I'm not being legalistic. It's not going to be like, oh, man, I, I, I forgot to read my Bible before I brushed my teeth. Oh, I messed up. Like, I didn't read. I didn't seek God the first day. We're not talking about that. What I'm saying is somewhere near the beginning of your day, every day, seek him. Seek him through his word. So that when you start your day out, you align your purpose, you align your day with his direction for your life. That's why, that's why we do that. That's why we have that time. Seek him first. This last year, if you were spiritually apathetic, if you were spiritually inconsistent, I can tell you, you didn't do this in 2019. You didn't seek him first. You didn't make him in your life a priority at the first of your day. And we see people in God's word who took these steps and they even exclaim how important it is. If we look at Psalm 63, Psalm 63 verse one, we see David and David himself, a, a man who was known as a man after God's own heart. What does he say in verse one? He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Man, we see David right here. And you know what he's talking about here? He's saying, you know what? My relationship, man, I, I am all out for God. I hunger for him. Some of you, maybe you're here this morning. You don't know what that even looks like. You don't even know what that even means. You think your relationship with God is, oh, that's so good, God. I've been to so many churches where people accept Christ and their lives are changed. And the crowd's just like, you get, they get like the golf clap. Very good, very good. They're not excited. Because their focus is on everything else. Because their relationship is not what it should be. They don't thirst for him. Like that video showed at the beginning. Because you're already filled with everything else that the world has to offer. Do you hunger for God? Do you hunger for his word? Do you hunger for that relationship with him? Or are you just trying to fit him into your schedule? God, I think I got some time next Thursday. You available? No. That's all we're trying to do. David says, early in the morning, seek God. Jesus even made it, made it a practice in his life in Mark. Mark chapter 1. We see in Mark chapter 1, Jesus Puts it into practice. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says this. It says, In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Some of you are like, early morning? Ah, that's, it was still dark outside? Like, that's Jesus. You know, Jesus can do that. That's, that's not me. I don't, I, don't, I don't have that ability. You know, I got to get my full... 12 hours of sleep in, and I can't, I can't be waking up that early. Only Jesus could do that, right? Can I tell you, our problem is not early. Our problem is hunger. Our problem is, do we truly hunger for the word of God? Do we truly hunger for that relationship with him? Many of us, were spending our day filling with everything else, and even late at night, we're filling up on things that we don't even need. And we don't hunger for him. 
We don't hunger for a relationship with him. And we're so filled with everything else, our hunger for him is even so little. Because you don't seek him. First of the day, seek him. What do I mean when I say that? To seek him. I mean to listen to God. How do we listen to God? It's through his word. It's through his word. Do you spend time in God's word? Because this is how he talks to us right here. This is his walkie-talkie to us, whatever you want to call it. This is him speaking to us. I don't know about you. I don't hear audible voices. I don't hear God call me in the morning and start talking to me. This is what he's given us. He's told us everything we need to know right here in his word. Are you listening? And then on the flip side, prayer. We see Jesus goes into the morning and he prays. He's talking to God. Prayer is our way of talking back to him. We hear what he has to say through his word. And then we talk back to him. I don't know about you and your relationship, but if you have a relationship where you either stop talking or you stop listening to the other person, that relationship is going to suffer, is it not? That's how relationships work. It's a two-way street, communication. Otherwise, that, that relationship falls apart. Otherwise, that relationship is not what it should be. Maybe for some of you, that's your relationship with God. You're either not listening or you're not talking. Or maybe it's both. For you, your relationship with him is just hit and miss. Do you seek him in prayer? Do you seek him through his word? Or are you spiritually inconsistent? Are you spiritually apathetic? The second thing that we see, write this down, the first of the week, worship. The first of the week, worship. We see in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Says this, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. We see right here for them, this was common for them to meet together. They would come together and they would break bread. What does that mean? They would eat food. That's why every time we come together and we have some kind of event, we have to have food. It's a part of what we do. It's part of our DNA. We're going to have our Super Bowl party. We're going to have food. We're not just going to come and hang out and sit around and stare at each other. We're going to eat. There's something about that when it comes to fellowship. And it says right here that Paul, when him and this this church came together, they would eat, they would break bread. And then it says that he would speak till midnight. And so I was thinking next Sunday, if you guys are up for it, I might take this into the later hours, all right? Just just bring an extra cushion to sit on, all right? And just soften the blow. I'm just kidding, I couldn't do that. I, I don't even know if I could make it past noon, truthfully. But you know what? We see right here that, man, they came together. They, were, they made it a priority. Did you know in our churches today, 50% of churchgoers attend church one time a month? 50%. They only come and worship God in his house one time a month. That's it. It's because it's not a priority. Man, we got, man, I'm really tired after that long weekend, man. It, just, it was just a tough work week. Man, my kids got this birthday party they got to go to. And you know what? I really want them to be there because I want them to be liked when they go to school. I was not very liked as, as, when I was in school. So I, but I got to have that for my kid. They've got to be liked. And so they can't miss. Oh, those leaves, they got to be raked up today. They couldn't be raked up on Saturday. But they got to they be raked up today. We make excuses. 
We put everything else in place and make it a priority except for what Jesus, except for what his word tells us to make a priority. The key is the start of the week. Is it a priority for you to worship him? Is it a priority? You know what a priority means? A priority is when you have this thing, you have something, and everything else falls behind it. Because that one thing is the main thing. Nothing else is going to trump it. Nothing else is going to get in the way. It's the main thing. And for many, there is no priority when it comes to the worship of God. There's no priority. We have no focus. We have no priority when it comes to being together. When it comes to encouraging each other. When we worship God at the start of the week, I want you to understand this. It sets the direction for the rest of your week. It lines you up with his purpose and his direction and what he wants your life to be about this week. Maybe you've been spiritually apathetic. You've been spiritually inconsistent. Can I tell you this? See God. Worship him at the first of the week. And then number three, write this down. First of the month, give. First of the month, give. And once again, I'm not going to be legalistic about this. If you get paid weekly, give weekly. If you get paid monthly, give monthly. If you get paid bi-monthly or bi-weekly, give bi-weekly. But we see right here through God's word to give. We're supposed to be cheerful givers. That's what it calls us to be, cheerful givers. We're supposed to give. That's what he calls us to do. Because when you give, can I tell you this? The focus is not on your wallet. It's not. The focus that God has is on your heart. He's not focused on your money. He's not focused on your wallet. He's focused on your heart. And God has always been aiming at your heart. Because giving is connected to your heart. It's connected to you. My kids, every Christmas... I always take my five kids and we go to the local Dollar Tree. And I say, guys, here's a couple dollars. I want you to get a present for mama and get a present for daddy. Don't, daddy won't look, no. Get a present for Aunt Lizzie. Get a present for Uncle Michael. And that way you can give them a present on Christmas morning. Why do you think I do that? Because there's something I really want at Dollar Tree. No. I remember as a kid, my dad would do the same thing for us. My grandparents got a mug every year. And it had nothing to do with anything that they cared about. But it was because we were giving. And I want to instill that into my kids to have a heart to give because giving is connected to your heart. I want them to learn that now. Learn to give because giving is connected to your heart. Notice that Jesus' perspective on giving. We see Jesus, he goes to the temple, and I love this. He sits down and he watches people give. He watches them come and give their offering at the temple. And I just kind of thought, wouldn't that be kind of cool if like during our offering time, we just like put up a picture of Jesus on the screen and then he could just be watching you as you give. I, th- I think that would be really cool. I think, I think you would be, okay, Jesus. No, we won't do that. But Jesus is literally at the temple and he's watching these people come to give their offering, to bring their offering. And what does it say? We see in Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, we see the story of Jesus sitting at the temple. Verse 41. What does it say? As soon as I find it, I'll tell you. 
12, 41. Got it. Here we go. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper pennies, which made a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And then verse 44, For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And we see Jesus right here watching this small little widow woman coming and giving, and really the equivalent that they're talking about here is half a penny is what she drops in there. She drops in there the equivalent of half a penny. And what does she say? Jesus says they're giving. All these wealthy people who are coming and they're giving. It's not really worth that much. Because guess what they're doing? They're giving out of this extra. They literally looked at their budget and said, hey, we got some extra money this month. Let's go and put that in. It really wasn't costing them anything. It was just extra. But this woman who takes and she gives in a word that I love so great, greatly when it comes to giving, she gives sacrificially. She gives of all that she has. And she gives it at the temple. These wealthy men who came, Jesus is like, this is worthless. You're just giving extra. You're well taken care of. You've got more than that. And you're just like tipping God. That's what you're doing. That's what Jesus calls them out on. And as Christians, I think we need to understand this. When it comes to giving, we want to, be, we want to give sacrificially. We want to be sacrificial givers. What does that mean? It means that we give till it hurts. It means that we give till we feel it. Can I tell you, if you're giving and you don't feel it, it's not sacrificial. Can I tell you this? I've taken this step a little bit further, not only in my own life as, in giving, but also in our church. Can I tell you, as a church plant, it's almost like living on a very tight budget. And even our church plant gives a tithe to other organizations and other ministries that are out doing things. And can I tell you, I feel it as the pastor. Every time we write that check, I'm just like, God, we need you to provide because <laughs> it's getting scary. Can I tell you? Every time he has. Because it's sacrificial. Can I tell you, if you're giving and you don't feel it, it's not sacrificial. It's not worth anything. What does that look like to give it away and feel it? Can I say this? You know what it looks like when I say this? It means that service that you could have, that service that you were really interested in, that you would love to sign up for, and man, it's going to entertain you, and it's going to be something that you really want, to say, you know what, instead of getting that service, we're going to give. We're going to give. This thing that I really would love to have, you know what, I've been waiting for it and waiting for it, now we finally, I finally make it enough where I can actually start affording that and really enjoy it. You know what, instead of that, we're going to give. You know what, as a church, I want us to be sacrificial givers. And I include that myself in that. Do we sacrificially give? Jesus says this woman has given more than all these people who gave out of their abundance. And I, I could tell for some of you right now, you're probably freaking out like, you know, if I did that, I would have to change my life. 
For us to give, our family were tight, but for me to give, I'd have to change my life. Can I tell you this? You got it. That's what Jesus is going for. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to reorganize your life so that he is the priority, so that he is the focus. That's what he's going for with this. He wants everything turned upside down so that that he, God, is in the place of priority in your life. Because when your heart is with him, giving is all about the heart. Giving, can I tell you this, is one of the hardest things to even talk about as a preacher. Because guess what? A lot of people get offended. So if you're offended already, I'm sorry. It was not my intent. But the reason you get offended is because this is connected to the heart. Giving is connected to the heart. And God does not want half of your heart. He wants your whole heart. First of the month, give. And then number four, write this down. First of the year, fast. First of the year, fast. For some of you are like, what's a fast? A fast has meaning and has purpose behind it. Fasting is a biblical principle. What it means is we deny ourselves either food or something else, and in place of that, we, can seek, we seek God for direction. We deny ourselves either food, we deny ourselves a sustenance. Maybe it's, it's something that we really hold on to during the week, something that we do, and we remove it, and we take that time, and we focus that time to God. We give it to him. In the Bible, we see all kinds of fasts. We see one-day fast. We see 21-day fast. Jesus, can I tell you this? This year, if you've never done a fast before, I don't recommend this one. Jesus did a 40-day fast. Don't start with that. All right, not a good place to start. But we see fast throughout Scripture, and most of the fasting in the Bible has to do with food because as the body grows weaker, we spiritually become more in tune with God. Man, as you're spending that time away from food or away from something else, logically, if you're not eating that meal and you're replacing it with time with God, it's gonna, you're, you're going to be more spiritually connected to him. Because you're spending more time with him. There's strength. There's importance in fasting. Can I tell you this? The beginning of this church, it began with fasting. Seeking God and seeking his direction. And God, is this really what you have for us? Is this what you have for me? Is this what you want me to do? And some of you may ask, you know, can I fast from other things? Is there something else? Maybe for some of you, there's a health concern. You say, man, I really can't miss a meal. Like, I physically, my doctor would not recommend it. There's other things. Maybe it's television. You know, in the hour I spend, you know, three hours watching TV, you know what? For an hour of that time, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm going to focus that time on God. I'm going to give that to him. Now, can I say this? Don't be that person who says, you know what? I want to fast from exercise this year. That's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a month, I'm going to fast from exercise. That'll be my fast this year, and I'm going to spend time on God. Don't be that person. Please, don't be that person that says, I'm going to fast from showers. Don't be that person. Please. Brush your teeth. Wash yourself. You know what? I want to challenge our church this year, the beginning of the year, either this next month 
or I'll give you time to prepare the, the month after that. I want to challenge you to fast this year, to take a, a fast and say, you know what, I'm going to take this challenge. And I'm going to seek God's face because the truth is many of us may be going through something in our life and you need direction from God. Maybe for some of you, your marriage is suffering. Your marriage is hurting. And do you want to do something about it? Seek God. Spend that time seeking him instead of you know, eating a meal, instead of doing something else, whatever it is. And to say, I'm going to dedicate that time to God because I need his direction. I need his guidance. I need his focus in my life. Man, that'd be a great opportunity. That's what fast is, uh, is so important. We see Jesus talk about fast. Uh, as we're talking about this, as I'm challenging you guys with, uh, with this, in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, Jesus says uh, in verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. And I love this first part here. It says, and when you fast. It doesn't say, Jesus didn't say, and if you fast, but when. He's implying right there, we should be fasting. There should be times throughout our years that we are spending time and dedicating it to God and leaving something else out. Because guess what? We need that kind of focus. He expects us to fast. And I love this part right here. He starts to talk about these men, these people in those times, these hypocrites. And you know what they would do when they would fast? It even says they would disfigure their face. They would disfigure their look. They would literally mess their hair up. And they wouldn't wash their faces. And they would look all nasty and so like that. And they'd walk around and go, oh man, I'm so weak. I've been fasting. I've been fasting. I just wanted you to know that. I've been fasting. Whew, man, I hope you're enjoying that burger. Because I've been fasting for God. You know, you're, you're a really nice person, but I'm better. Because <laughs> okay. I'm fasting. They would show off. And Jesus says, hey, that's not how I want you to fast. That's not what I want you to do. Look at verse 17. He tells us how to fast in verse 17. What does he say? He says, uh, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying right here, these guys that are showing off, these guys that are posting it out there that they're, that they're fasting, guess what? That's their reward right there. Everyone gets to look at them and go, ooh, ah, and that's it. That's their reward. But man, when you fast in secret, man, when you wash yourself up, when you don't walk around looking like you've missed a meal, Jesus says, man, God's going to reward you. He's going to reward that. You don't need a public spectacle. You don't have to put on a show. You don't have to make a big appearance in front of everybody and say you're fasting and show how weak you are because how weak you are is how spiritual you are. You don't have to do that stuff. He says do it in secret and watch your Father in heaven reward you. Look what he'll do. He will bless you. Don't make it look like you're fasting. That's how you're supposed to fast. In the past, for some of you, maybe you've tried fasting. And I've seen people do this. Oh, I fasted. Man, I fasted for 30 days. It was amazing. And I would always ask them, well, what did you do in that time where you weren't eating? Well, I, I did nothing. I just didn't eat. Can I tell you, that's not fasting. That's just fasting from food. But that's not spiritually fasting. 
Did I tell you that time where you didn't eat? That was worthless. That did nothing for you. Actually, take that time where you are not eating. Take that time where you are abstaining from something and spend that time with God. Say, God, strengthen my marriage. My spouse, they don't know Christ. They don't know Jesus. Spend that time and lift that that spouse's name to God and say, God, give me an opportunity to show them Jesus. That family member, that friend who doesn't know Jesus, God, give me an opportunity, give me direction, give me focus. That person that you are close to, if they die today and they would go to hell, man, how about lift that person's name up to God and say, I'm gonna take this time of fasting and I'm gonna lift their name up and see God do something amazing. You know, we need to fast and we need to seek God through those times. Maybe for some of you, there's a sin in your life. And it's affecting you. It's a sin that won't let go. It's a sin that keeps you from freedom. Maybe you would take that time of fasting. You would say, God, free me from this. Remove this from my life. Give me the strength to overcome this sin that is holding me back from living a life that is completely devoted to you. Can I challenge you with this? If you're really going to take this challenge and fast, can I challenge you to Lift this church up to God. We've got some big things coming up this next couple of months. And we have a revival meeting where we want our hearts to be revived by God. We're going to have an evangelist come in. He's going to speak. He's going to present God's word. And guess what? We want through God's word to ignite our hearts with fire for this next year. To prepare us for what he has in store for us. And then not only that, we're going to have an opportunity to invite people out who don't know Jesus. This could be an awesome opportunity for people to accept Christ and have their lives changed forever. That's why we're here. That's our purpose, remember? Not only that, we have Easter coming up. We do our big Easter explosion. Can I tell you, that's a really great event. That's fun. But you know what? If we don't invite those people to come back the next day, that event is worthless. It's bust. Because it's not about giving people candy. It's not about giving people game systems. It's about sharing Jesus with them and seeing their lives change forever. Can I challenge you, if you're going to take this challenge seriously and fast with us, lift up these opportunities that God has given us to reach out to our community and share Jesus. Lift those up. Man, who are those people in your world that need the message of Jesus? Who's the people, who are those people in this city that needs the message of Jesus? Who are those people in your sphere of influence that need the message of of Jesus. I'm challenging you to fast in 2020. Maybe you don't know what that means. Maybe you don't know what a fast looks like. Come, come find me after church. I'll be glad to give you some, some direction in how to fast. But you know what? Fast with us. Take this challenge. I've never done this before. You know what? It's time to do something different. If you want 2020 to be different from 2019, it's time to do something new. Fast with us and see what God's going to do in this next year. See what God's going to work through you in this next year. Can I tell you, it's not normal for Christians to fast. It's not, it's not normal for Christians to not fast. Let me say that. But it's normal for Christians. I'm going to wear this in a way that I really like it. In our world today, we have people who are considered normal Christians. And they won't fast. They won't take that step. 
Can I tell you? Normal Christianity, it doesn't work. It's not working. To be a normal Christian in our world today is not working. It's time to do something different. If you're just trying to be a normal Christian and just blend in with the rest of the Christians, I'm telling you, you're missing out on what God has for you. You're missing out on what God has in store for your life. That's our challenge today. Do something that you've never done before. If you want this year to be different from last year, can I tell you, seek God the first of the day. Seek God the first of the month. Seek God the first of the week. And guess what? Seek God the first of the year. Seek him through his word, through prayer, through this right here, this time together that we have through giving out of a heart that wants to give. Through fasting and seeking his face by being sacrificial in your time and your life. And my prayer is that a year from now, when we ask this question again, when we say, looking back at 2020, what kind of year was 2020 for you? How would you define 2020. My prayer is that next year you'll be able to say, I was spiritually consumed. I was spiritually consumed with the things of God. That's my heart. That's my prayer for you this year. But for that to happen, it's time for you to do some things differently. It's time to do some things that you've never done before. It's time to take some steps that you've never taken before. Can I tell you as a church, we're going to be there right there with you, taking those steps with you. But if you want things to change, it's time to do something. And it's time to do something different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we, Lord, we thank you for just how you challenge us. Lord, it's so easy to just be a normal Christian. And what does that mean to be a normal Christian? People who show up, who say they know Jesus. They'll come here, they'll sit here. They may even nod their head in agreement the entire message. Hearing your truth, hearing your word. And then walk out of here and act like nothing ever happened. Lord, my desire is not to be a normal Christian. I don't want to be normal, and I definitely don't want to be a normal Christian. But I want to be a follower of you that's pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that that's the heart of every single person here this morning. Not to just blend in. Not to just come here and have their little personal lift me up for the week. But to truly leave here with something that's going to change their life. That's going to change how they have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray this morning that every single person that's here, that they would take this challenge so seriously. I know some are probably already having that thought, I am, I'm not going to fast. Why would I fast? I don't do anything. It does so much more than you think. Lord, challenge them. Convict them. 
Because you said not if, but when. When we fast. Lord, I pray that they would just take those steps. Say, God, I'm going to give this time to you. I'm going to sacrifice this, and I want to give this time 100% devoted to you. Lord, be with us. Strengthen us. Prepare us for this year ahead of us. As not only as we individually take steps of faith, but as this church continues to take steps of faith. Lord, we need you to provide. Lord, we need you to open up doors. We need you to open up opportunities. Lord, we need you to change hearts. Lord, we're here. We are faithful. We are ready. Lord, use us. Use us. God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for how you speak to our hearts. Lord, let it change us. Let it move us into action. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com slash give.